We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash lawless. Just go to Indeed.com slash lawless right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed com slash lawless. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real Steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hello, Sunshine. I'm Alexi Lawless, and welcome to the State of the Union podcast, where we look at the beautiful game on and off the field through the lens of red, white, and blue colored glasses. Uh, this week, we'll be talking, well, the end of the Super League question mark, MLS Entertainment, the Oscars, CCL, UCL, uh, European Leagues, VAR. My Bad Mood, Singing, and so much more. But first joining me, as always, my friend, my colleague, my guiding light, David Mossy, a soccer savant and a Fox soccer researcher and writer extraordinaire. Mossy, how are you doing on this Monday, April 26th in the year 2021? I'm doing well, although I must confess I'm feeling a weird sensation today. What's that? Uh you got to get that checked out or what? You're going to be okay? No, uh, I am a big movie buff who watches the Oscars every year and has usually seen just about all the best picture nominees. So I have strong opinions on what should win. I read all the articles about it, listen to podcasts. And for whatever reason, well, I mean, we know no reason, but I, I just couldn't get into movies in the past year. Um, and so I didn't even watch the Oscars last night. I had only seen three of the eight best picture nominees. I hadn't seen Nomadland. So um, I'm seeing a lot of conversations about that today and I can't really partake and it bothers me. I don't know why I couldn't get motivated this year to, to watch more of these movies. Well, let's be honest. The conversation about the Oscars has nothing to do with the actual Oscars because it has to do with the fact that so many people like you and like me were ambivalent about it, right? I mean, I didn't even know and, and recognize the Oscars were happening until somebody said it or I saw it on my timeline at some point. I watched maybe three minutes. I actually watched the, the Glenn Close clip uh, where she uh, does the butt and all that kind of stuff. So it was, as, as was always the case, it was always going to be a, um, uh, a, a different type of Oscars broadcast. Now listen, I always, from, the, from when I was a kid, all these award shows, these were something that was cool to me. And look, as you grow up, you start to move away from different things and it doesn't necessarily appeal to you, especially when it comes to music and that kind of stuff. So I, I get that. But I just think the, the, the general blasé type of attitude towards all, all, ta uh, uh, all award shows, but certainly something like the Oscars right now is, uh, you, you know, yes, it's, it's indicative of the, the time in which we are living in, but I also think that it's a... Uh, 
not that they needed one, but certainly another warning shot that, that the, these type of traditional classic experiences and TV experiences, they're, they're not necessarily going to last forever. And so, yeah, I, I did not watch it. To your point about the actual movies, I mean, I, I, I don't even know if I watched any of the, uh, the nominated movies when it comes to, uh, uh, you know, Best Picture or anything like that. So I'll be really interested to, as we're coming on air. I don't know. I haven't seen the ratings. And look, I don't want anybody to fail. I don't want bad ratings. But it's a reflection of the time and the era in which we are living in. Um, and it's a reflection of... You know, what movies are, and you and I, we, we love movies, and I want to get into a little bit more of a movie thing here, here but uh, finish off the uh, your, your Oscar thing, because I do want, even though you didn't watch it and didn't necessarily care to watch it, did it even come on your radar after, in terms of everybody saying, hey, but by the way, the Oscars happened? Oh, yeah. I mean, today I've actually seen quite a bit of conversation about it, and it's bothered me that I, I, I can't partake in it. The, the three Best Picture nominees I ended up seeing were uh, Mank. Uh, Trial of the Chicago Seven and Judas and the Black Messiah. And I enjoyed all three. And I'm sure the ones I haven't seen were, were fine movies. I've heard nothing but great things about Nomadland. I probably will watch it eventually. But, you know, I, I, I thought in the last couple of weeks I would go on this mad dash to be able to watch a bunch of them. And I just could, couldn't get motivated to do so. I think in the final analysis, I enjoy going to movie theaters and I associate movies with that. And sitting on my couch and watching TV is more for television shows. And so I just, and I, I probably need to get over that because I think we're moving in the direction yeah. inexorably that, you know, that's going to become the primary method of watching movies as well. But for now, I'm just not in that headspace. All right. So speaking of movies, um, I, I don't have a whole lot of movies and stuff that I watched this week for you, although I did go back and rewatch uh, Hot Tub Time Machine, which I still think is hilarious. <laughs> and uh, it makes me laugh uh, wonderfully inappropriate um, and just a, a fun t- type of movie. And it, and, it, and it held up from when I first saw it to uh, rewatching it. But Masi, you are often privy to a lot of the... <laughs> the inane conversations that we as quote-unquote talent have uh, because you're in the control room often and you'll hear all the ridiculousness that is going on back and forth between myself and uh, Rob Stone and Stu Holden and Maurice Sadu and, and, and others that are there. So <laughs> over the last uh, weekend we were doing our MLS uh, action. I don't know what triggered it, but at one point we started – oh, no, I came on air and I, I did a, uh, a reference to the great movie Bull Durham. And I, I had not done it in rehearsal, and so I did it live. And as we went to break into commercial, it became readily apparent. You know, I said I did a fungus on the shower shoes type of thing. And it came, became readily apparent that Stu, who we were working with at the time, uh, Rob Stone and I, had not seen Bull Durham and, and, and had, had no reference to what I was talking about, which got us into this huge discussion both in that moment and the next day with Marisa Du there as to movies that we think you should have seen. It, we were incredulous, Rob Stone and I, that, that Stu Holden, uh, who, who, to be fair to him, even though he's much younger than us, he has an incredible uh, breadth of, of, of knowledge when it comes to music and pop culture and everything. He had not only never seen Bull Durham, but he had never even heard of it. And that to me, and I know things change. Look, I, I remember when my dad sat me down and made me watch uh, Bridge Over the River Kwai and, and, and different stuff like that. First off, you've seen Bull Durham, right? Of course. I mean, I think we've talked about it on the pod. One of the great, and I, I, don't, I don't care for baseball at all, and yet I would still call it one of the great sports movies in cinema history. And yet he had not seen it. Then the next day, we've come to find out that Marisa Du had never seen it nor heard of it. 
And we went through all of these different classic movies with them. And it was amazing to me that, you know, they're 10, 15 years younger than us. And yet when you, you know, we were listing off stuff like Raging Bull or Apocalypse Now or Platoon or these movies that to me and to you, even though you're younger than me, still resonated and were such classics that we never thought that there was going to be a generation that not only hadn't seen them, but didn't even it didn't even register. They had never even heard of them. And and I know you kind of jumped in because one of your favorite sports movies out there is also a baseball movie called The Natural. And we had talked about that. That was another one that they had never seen nor heard of. It was just amazing to go through this list of uh, of movies with Stu Holden and Marisa Du. Uh, no, yeah, my, my mind was blown as well. I wonder if these guys have been living in a cave for the last 20 years because it just seemed like they had <laughs> never seen any of these sports movies that are completely iconic. And, and yeah, at least they got Rob Stone and I off on a whole natural conversation and talking about our fa- favorite uh, lines from that movie. So that was fun. Yeah. Now Roy Hobbs. I mean, come on, how could you not know who Roy Hobbs and the whammer? How could you not know the whammer? I mean, to hear Rob Stone light up, uh, you know, even though he was just completely, uh, you know, irritated and uh, and and frustrated and confused that there was anybody that hadn't seen it, but to also to hear him, you know, talk about, you know, when he first saw Susan Sarandon on the on the uh, on the big screen and <laughs> and and all that, because that Bull Durham movie, it's so much more than just a sports movie. It's so much more than just about baseball. And like I said, to its credit, and why it is so powerful is that someone like me who. I don't care about baseball at all. It does nothing for me. Still can look at it and be so utterly, uh, you know, transfixed and amazed by this this uh, this work of art because of the comedy that's involved, because of all the different characters, because of the storyline. There's, you know, there's love. And when you t- look at the natural, uh, you know, that 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 whole story. I mean, it was almost a, a fable or a fantasy. Uh, but you had villains and heroes and death and uh, you know all that kind of stuff going on. And these are these are the types of movies that I like. But evidently, that's not something that. Uh, although Marisa Du, it, it was interesting because we started to talk about our fathers and stuff, uh, and he said his father. We used to sit him down and make him watch Caddyshack when we were talking about sports movies and stuff like that. So it's not just uh, a relative to to age and stuff. I guess it's just ultimately what shows up on your uh, your radar. Are you watching anything now, Mossy, uh, that you want to tell the folks about? Uh, so far, so good on this Mayor of Easttown. Uh, you heard of this show? It's a new age No, I haven't heard about this. What's this? Kate Winslet in uh, this small town in Pennsylvania where she's investigating a, a murder. It's uh, it's uh, pretty good so far. I like where it's going. Two episodes. But it, it's, it's episodal, right? So it's coming week Correct. after week so after week. So you have to week. wait for it to uh, be finished. Yeah, you know how I feel um, And then on the you podcast know. front, I've discovered this... Uh, it's called the Blowback Podcast, and they did a season on the Iraq War, and now they've just started a season on the Cuban Revolution. And, you know, I love that sort of political stuff, and so I've been listening to those as well. So that's what I got going on. Not that much, but I got a little something going on. All right, well, listen, uh, they are worth your time if you're going to, you know, binge on some old movies there. If you haven't, and, you know, plenty of people that are watching and listening also are like Stu and Mo and haven't seen these uh, or even heard of these things, uh, the, all you know, the classics that they are, you should check them out. They are, they are worth, I think that they are worth your time. I think that they, they hold up. I think that they are timeless. Um, so check them out. Um, all right, let's, uh, let's get this uh, party started here. What do I usually say here? I light this uh, candle. Light this candle, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's only been, I don't know how many years and how many shows. All right, Mossy, are you ready to light this candle? Yep. 
All right. Uh, without further ado, we will jump in. And we're going to start first off, and believe me, we'll talk the demise of the Super League in the second segment. We're going to start right off because, as I mentioned, we were knee-deep in, in Major League Soccer in its second weekend, and there was all sorts of stuff going on on the field and off the field. Um, I, I actually started the morning, and somebody had tweeted me uh, saying that they were thinking about how entertaining MLS has been just in its few uh, first few weekends, both in terms of the actual competition that's going on, the bangers that we're seeing when it comes uh, comes to goals, um, the storylines that are emerging, all of these different things in the first couple of weekends. If the first couple of weekends are any indication, we are in for a, uh, I would certainly think, a better season than last year. I mean, it's, it's kind of hard not for it to be better considering that we've seen fans in stands now teams are playing in their home venues we got stadiums opening as we've talked about but so far so good from an MLS perspective what do you want to start with first Mossy when it comes to MLS what uh, what piqued your interest the most because there's so much stuff well first off just to echo what you said I think it's been an incredible start to the season uh, tremendous parity the LA Galaxy are the only team to have won the first two games and the uh, loons of Minnesota and the New York Red Bulls are the only teams with two losses uh, everybody else is somewhere in the middle there uh, but I think we do have to start with the Galaxy. Uh, we did the game yep. yesterday. I think it's the biggest story in the league right now. Uh, Chicharito, his fourth career hat trick. He has five goals in the first two games. The only other player to do that in MLS history was Brian Ching with Houston in 2006. Scored five in the first two games of that season. So, I mean, I'll throw it to you. Is Chicharito back? No. Um, <laughs> he uh, is scoring goals. And when I say he's... It, it, is he back in that he's the focus of attention? Yes. Is he back in that he's a goal scorer and he's scoring goals? Yes. But I I don't think he necessarily is coming back from anybody believing anything differently in the way that they look at Chicharito. Yes, you need Chicharito as your biggest star from an LA Galaxy perspective and from a league perspective to be functioning uh, and scoring goals. That's great. It's wonderful for all the things that we're doing. And we have the Galaxy on our air for the next couple of weeks up in Seattle and then the El Trafico uh, the following week. That's all good stuff in terms of content and narrative out there. But when I, when I think about Chicharito, a couple of things. First off, even in the first couple of weeks, it's, it's, it's not just the goals. It's the, it's the emotion. It's the personality. It's the character that we have seen in these post-game interviews, in the way that he has talked about the difficulties of the year. Uh, and the previous year that he had from a personal perspective and not even not not just the scoring of, of the goals and he makes you root for him you know when i when i talk to him i get a smile on my face because there is this he's he's certainly a, a, an older more mature type of player but there is this boyish joy at, you know his his english is impeccable um, the way that he expresses himself, the way that he thinks about himself more than just being a player, all of that kind of stuff is wonderful. And it's a very different type of uh, character and personality that he inhabits uh, relative to someone like, like Zlatan. So you want him to do well. But ultimately, this is the question that I have, or that, uh, I guess I, the question that I have and that I have answered. When you have a designated player, okay, this is a player that you have spent more money than anybody than, than than any others on your team and therefore this distinction happens you need them you want them to play well they have to be the stars for your team when you are looking at that player yes there is an element that it has to be the right fit for your team but what 
what I see as a valuable designated player is that if you were to put that player on the MLS market out there, you would want other teams to value him in the same way. And I think right now that there are very few, if any, MLS teams that from a pure soccer perspective would take Chicharito over what they have right now. And look, there are teams out there that that need goal scorers out there. And, you know, maybe that's and maybe that's sacrilege to say something like that. But I just think the way that he plays, uh, I don't think for a lot of people out there that they, you know, or a lot of teams out there, look at him and say, this is a game changer. This is someone that does something that is so much better or just better uh, or even equal than what we have going on right now. I'm not talking about selling jerseys. I'm not talking about media. I'm not talking about... Q, Q ratings or anything like that. I'm just talking about purely from a, from a soccer perspective. Now, in the first two games, he's been very Chicharito-esque in where and how those goals have come. He is a poacher. He does all of his work. And Greg Vanny and company have figured out that the more they get that ball into the box, the more good things happen. In the first week, the goal he scored against Inter-Miami was classic Chicharito, a wonderful first touch. He's now put the ball through the legs of goalkeepers in successive weeks. So, I'm not saying that he is not a, a good player and at times he can't be great going forward. And look, if he scores goals, that's all that really matters to, to the LA Galaxy. But as far as him being back, yeah, I guess he's he's back to being a goal scorer relative to what he did last year. But I don't think that the perception of Chicharito for the masses out there or for those that are at other teams has necessarily changed. I still don't think that he puts the fear of God into any opposition, despite what he has done in the first couple of games. Now, it's going to be really interesting to see not just what Chicharito emerges, but how this galaxy emerges over the next couple of weeks. As I mentioned, they have to go up to Seattle and then they have to uh, play uh, back home in El Trafico against LAFC. Seattle and LAFC are not inter- uh, and not uh, Red Bull. Red Bull, by the way, is a mediocre team at best uh, right now, unless they do something uh, going forward. They are going to struggle through the year. Um, anyway, that's that's the way that I looked at it. Having said all of that, it was great. It was great television. It was great narrative. I'm happy for him, um, and I'm happy that he is scoring and that that smile is back and that youthful exuberance that just never seems to go away is back, and it's great for the league. Yeah, it's funny. I've never been a big Chicharito fan. I poo-pooed his signing last year, but I've actually been very impressed the last two weeks. He, he looks to be in great shape, and, and I think he's playing really well. If it was just the poacher goals, like the second one he scored against Inter Miami and the first and the third against the Red Bulls, uh, even that would be uh, noteworthy because, a, as you know, there is a skill in being in the right place in the right time and always in a position yep. to put those away. But even the first goal against Inter-Miami and the second one yesterday, I thought reflected really nice skill. I mean, the second one yesterday, the way he brought that ball down, that first touch from that wonderful ball from Victor Vasquez over the top, and then, as you mentioned, slotting it uh, through the legs of the goalkeeper. And and, and just his link-up play has been very good. There was a, there was a play early in the second half um, yesterday, and I keep saying yesterday, you know, we're taping this on a Monday, you'll be hearing this uh, on Tuesday or, or later, um, where uh, he played this like incredible volley pass to Samuel Grancier on a counter yep. that, uh, that that was that's a bit of skill. I wasn't sure he had in his locker. So I was 
Yep. Impressed by that. So no, I, I, I've been blown away. And it's funny because MLS um, has been moving in this direction away from the veteran world-class signings and more towards younger South American, Central American players. And the pandemic really pushed things in that direction this off season. And so I was thinking, boy, we really don't have that incoming Zlatan Rooney type signing for everybody to get excited about. But in a way, Chicharito almost feels like that because last season was such a non-year for him that it, he almost feels like a new signing again this year and, and yep. we're seeing the best of him. So yeah, no, it's, it's, it was a lot of fun yesterday and I'm really enjoying this uh, revival of his. Here's the other problem for Chicharito uh, and ultimately the Galaxy, right? Uh, yes, he scored five of the six goals that they've scored so far in the two games. They've scored three game, three goals in both games. But they've also let in two goals in both of these games. And they have not looked strong defensively. And regardless of what we talked about last year, this was a team that uh, let in, I think it was 46 goals against, which put them only uh, second in terms of most goals allowed to, I think it was San Jose. But, you know, this is this is a problem that needs to be fixed. And I know that there's some reinforcements coming in the forms of designated players, but those are more attacking players. They really have to figure out a way to solidify uh, that defense. Because if they don't, if they're just going to run and gun and expect Chicharito to continue to score like that, at some point, the well is going to run dry. And they are going to get dinged for the way that they decide to play out of the back, the risks that they take, and then just the lackluster defending. I mean, look, I know Chicharito wasn't great last year, but hey, it's Chicharito. Maybe you should know where he is at times. And, uh, you know, the Red Bulls did not do a, go a good enough job. And obviously, uh, Inter-Miami didn't do a, a good enough job. We'll see if Seattle learns those learns those lessons uh, and, and does anything different. And then obviously, LAFC. And here's the other big interesting thing that's going to happen. And like I said, we got El Trafico coming in a couple of weeks. This is ultimately, and we talked a lot of it about this on the uh, on the pregame show. This is a battle uh, to re-engage hearts and minds internationally, nationally, but also locally here in Los Angeles. Okay, look, I know I have a history with the Los Angeles Galaxy. They are near and dear to my heart. I talked about the Super Club from the moment that I was at that, and I think that they established that. But there is only, unfortunately, one super club in Los Angeles right now, and that is LAFC. And until the Los Angeles Galaxy, and that will ultimately probably start to happen if it's going to happen here in the next couple of weeks, until they find a way to prove to me and to so many others that they are back and even remotely close to their previous heights, that is going to remain the case. And that's not a good thing. That's not a good thing for the Galaxy because I thought when, when LAFC came into market that it, this was going to light a, you know, light a fire. And unfortunately, it hasn't. They've, they've kind of gone in the opposite direction. That's not good, by the way. It's not good for the league. It's not good for uh, Los Angeles. You need these two juggernauts going at each other uh, locally here in Los Angeles for preeminence here in the City of Angels, but also in terms of that super club, the teams that as many people hate as love. And, and right now, people weren't even caring about the Los Angeles Galaxy relative to LAFC. Maybe that starts to change. And if Chicharito can do that, that would be that would be wonderful. But these next couple of weeks are going to be really, uh, really telling. But it's fun. It's fun to see Chicharito now, score. Now, it's worth noting that second goal I mentioned where Victor Vasquez played a beautiful ball over the top and Chicharito brought it down and slotted it through the goalkeeper's legs was initially waved off 
for offsides. And then they reviewed it. And on VAR, they overturned the call and gave him the goal. Also, the other game we did on Friday night, uh, Sporting KC Orlando, also very entertaining, by the way, finished 1-1. And, and there was a lot of uh, VAR stuff there, including the late Nani equalizer on a beautiful little backheel flick. That was initially ruled out for offsides. And then they reviewed it and, and ended up giving the goal upon a VAR review. And I thought they got all the calls spot on. And so lots of people on Twitter, including Merritt Paulson, were making this point that, you know, everybody in England decries, you know, how horrible VAR is. But, you know, maybe the problem is you because everywhere else people seem to be figuring it out and using it properly. Uh, And so was that your reaction as well? I mean, there was an element of pride in that, you know, this league that was ahead of the game in terms of implementing it and was kind of a guinea pig at, at, at times going forward has found a way to integrate this technology into the game. And yes, it changes the game. I get it. I get it. It's not the same game that, that, that you grow up with. But it has changed it. And I think the way in which we are implementing it, um, it, while it has changed it, I don't think that we get this sense and this notion that seems to be on a weekly basis coming out of England that the game is ruined and that I don't even recognize the game's game gone. anymore game's because gone. of the... Yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> it, it, they, they're doing it... They're doing it right. And whatever we are doing it, be, be it the, the technology or the, in some cases the lack of technology because MLS does not use the, the lines uh, that others do because of the lack of cameras or the simple personnel that are running it ultimately, they are doing it where people in general, yeah, and look, you'll have controversies. And you know that was the perfect case. I mean, there were what, four different times where they went and they got the call right, which was always the mantra from the beginning. They got the, uh, they got the call right. And humans in that moment are going to make mistakes and that we have the technology to go and fix some of those mistakes and c- that could be monumental type of mistakes and game-changing type of mistakes. And we do it and everybody accepts it and we move on. I'm not saying it doesn't have controversy. I, I to your point, yes, it's you, England. It's not VAR. It's you. And and to me, the key thing you said is the lines. Uh, I've I've always said this. I'd prefer we do this way with no lines. I mean, there's still value in stopping a play and having a referee be able to look over and 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 see a replay of it, and and it helps you make a more informed decision. But if you don't draw the lines, it still preserves that sort of human eye test element that I think we all want. Because, you know, frankly, if you you drew the lines on that Chicharito goal or the Nani goal on Friday, there might have been some body part of theirs that was a millimeter ahead of the defender. And then in the Premier League, those goals would have been taken away. And I just think I much prefer, I feel much better about the outcome we got in MLS this weekend than the ones we've been getting in the Premier League. Yeah, but you know what we're going to do as TV. We're going to draw the lines. So that, that's but we haven't been doing it, and I haven't seen any controversy on Twitter. I didn't see any Sporting KC fan complain afterwards about that Nani goal, nor Red Bulls fan complain about the Chicharito goal. So I don't know. Yeah, but if we had the cameras, we would draw the lines. <laughs> <laughs> and England has the cameras. So if you take off the lines, and the first thing that Sky and BBC and everybody else is going to do <laughs> is draw the lines back and say, yeah, but you know what? You screwed up on this one. I don't know. I mean, I... I, I I'll be really interested to see because I think just this constant drumbeat of negativity when it comes to VAR that seems to happen after every single weekend of games over over in England, they have to do something. And uh, I just don't know what ultimately that's going to look like because this, you know, this, 
that train has left the station long ago, and I think it's really, really difficult to, to bring it back. All right, what else uh, uh, t- uh, you know, uh, was exciting here in MLS? Uh, I mentioned you to go to that uh, the Loons of Minnesota are one of only two teams that have lost both their games. Uh, their latest defeat this past weekend came to RSL. Uh, RSL goalkeeper David Ochoa had an interesting reaction to the victory afterwards, and it, it, it divided you and Moe do this weekend because he was mm-hmm. way down on it, but well, you actually liked it. So, tell, so you, you actually applaud what David so David Ochoa, who you may remember, was a um, uh, you know uh, participant in the ill-fated attempt to qualify for the Olympics, and even in the uh, the, the the monumental uh, semifinal game that was going to decide whether we went to the Olympics, he had uh, shall we say a, a, a slip up that uh, of historic purpo- proportions, and ultimately helped lead to that team not qualifying for the Olympics. Uh, so yes, this is the, the, the same David Ochoa, who is the RSL goalkeeper at this point right now. RSL uh, uh, didn't play the first weekend in MLS, and so they go to Minnesota this weekend, Minnesota's home opener. Uh, the Loons, having been annihilated in their first week in Seattle, they come home, think, all right, we'll get a, uh, we'll rebound here against uh, RSL. RSL comes in and uh, in, in Minnesota wins two to one. And following the final whistle, uh, Mr. Ochoa, who was the goalkeeper, like all goalkeepers, oftentimes I'm sure takes you know flack uh, being there in a standing position for most of the game, especially in front of the uh, supporters section, uh, got the ball, turned around, and kicked the ball into the um, uh, the supporters section uh, there in Minnesota. This did not go over well with the players on the field. There was all sorts of a, a brouhaha, and uh, uh, Adrian Heath, the coach of Minnesota, after the game, took a shot at him, uh, t- calling him not a very good player. And um, he this, said he's got quite a lot was, of edge for a guy who's not that good. <laughs> there we go. That, yeah, there you go. I loved it. Mo didn't, you know. Mo was uh, he thought that this was beyond the pale and this was uh, inexcusable, and I, 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 I loved it. Now it's not as if he turned around and rifled the ball into the face of a uh, five-year-old sitting in the uh, in, in the supporter section. Here's the thing. I was under the impression that this was this. Uh, wondrous wall of epic proportion and strength. And what I come to find out is that really this this is not much of a wall at all. As a matter of fact, it's a wailing and whining type of wall back there. And this is, to, to my loons friends over there, this is, this is not a hill you want to die on, all right? I get it. You're distracting from what is the biggest problem, which is your 0-2, and, and you just lost to RSL at home. But it's not a good, it's just not a good look, okay? Now, Ochoa might get fined. It's very possible for kicking the ball into the stance. Like I said, he didn't turn around and rifle it uh, in there. But the angst and the anger and the consternation from uh, the Minnesota faithful there in that Wonderwall section, which wasn't full, uh, was was at, at times I thought kind of humorous to be quite <laughs> to be quite honest with you. And a, a mountain uh, out of a molehill, if you will. But I get it. 
you are you are angry. You are in in a sense protecting your turf. I mean, look, I'm I can see up here on my computer. I am getting texts as we speak in the moment from Minnesota uh, folks that I know, uh, screaming and yelling about the uh, the actions. Now, a lot of them actually are are they understand that 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 doing it after a loss isn't the best look. And look, they were back in this in the stadium, which ultimately is 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 great. And it was wonderful to hear, not just in that stadium, but all these stadiums, to, to various degrees, our, our fans and our supporters back in the stands doing what they uh, what they do so well. So maybe you know, if you're going to scream and yell, okay, scream and yell. If this is what you want to uh, scream and yell about, fine. But I had I had no problem uh, with it at all. He might get a fine, but you know, we'll see. I'm sure the uh, the club will pay pay for it. I tried to explain to Mo that what Ochoa did is the kind of thing that Nuke Lelouch would have done, but that reference to him. <laughs> yeah, that went right over. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, that was, if, if you're doing it after you win, it's great. You know, that's, that's uh, fungus on your shower shoes, but you're a winner, right? <laughs> um, uh, a couple other right. things. Did you see uh, Kate Cowell's assist to... Espinosa yes. in the San Jose yes. Dallas game. And by the way, you also had so explain to the folks who Cade Cowell uh, is. He is a uh, 17 year old uh, phenom, yet another talented young American. Uh, we covered uh, one uh, yesterday with the Red Bulls with uh, Caden Clark, but Cade uh, Cowell, yeah, he had a goal and assist in that San Jose 3 1 win over Dallas. Uh, the goal was terrific as well. A nice little shimmy in, in the box to get away from the defender, but the assist was mind blowing. I mean, that's that's one of the best passes you'll ever see. I mean, it, it it again points up the the incredible wealth of talent and young talent that exists over here. And there are going to be people, and they already have, that are going to come calling for a lot of this young talent. And, you know, we, we've talked about Daryl DK and what, what these valuations are going to be for these players that, as I said, are very young, which also means that they are oftentimes very inexperienced and you're just extrapolating it out and believing that that they are going to mature into even better players and you're going to get them for much less than if you wait a year or two years or three years uh, down the line and you know Cade Cowell playing in a really interesting and different type of system out there so sometimes you have to pull out these players and say okay I see them playing and what they're doing right now here but in our system is it going to work I mean the, the assist was phenomenal and like you said, the goal, I mean, there were broken ankles all over the place as players went flying back and forth. And I had pointed, uh, you know, I had pointed to the uh, to the San Jose game uh, against Dallas as a, a game to watch relative to Matias Almeida, the coach of San Jose, which, you know, I think if it goes south, he would be on the hot seat and one of the first coaches on the hot seat because specifically of the way that he plays. And actually, that's where my uh, Bull Durham reference came from was because of the fact that if you're going to play this, quote, you know, oftentimes it's called crazy type of system, uh, but certainly unorthodox type of system and put yourself out there. Uh, and you know, be that that romantic that's doing things very, very differently than everybody else. Then you better be able to back it up with results, and that's exactly what they did against uh, against Dallas. So good for seventeen year old Cade Cal uh, and him shining as as all of this uh, young domestic MLS talent starts to uh, to shine, and good for Matias Almeida because I think he needed it. And and I said this at the end of the the show, and I remember it from. Um, from, from my playing days many, many years ago, is that the tendency for teams and for players and coaches and fans is, oh, it's just the first game. Oh, it's just the second game. 
it'll get away from you very, very quickly. And yes, to your point, this is a league of manufactured parody, and we're already seeing it here. But if you let it get away from you, and you are not used to catching up, or you don't have the, um, the, the experience in this league, it gets very, very difficult very quickly, regardless of what that gap is when you are constantly trying to catch up. And so, you know, the game, the Inter-Miami, Inter-Miami getting, a, a, getting a win. That was huge. It's huge for Phil Neville, and it's huge for that, uh, for that team. San Jose coming home and getting the win. You cannot let yourself get into the habit of just saying, yeah, we'll catch up. We're only f- three points or six points because in this league, the margins are so fine between making the playoffs and not making the playoffs that very, very quickly it can get away from you if you're just constantly saying, all right, well, we'll get them next week or we'll wait till the summer and then we'll make, uh, make changes, especially if you don't have that history of being able to do that and deal with what MLS is. What else, Mossy? Yeah, both Iguain brothers scoring in an Inter-Miami win over Philadelphia. Um, that was fun, huh? That was fun. By the way, in Philadelphia. Philadelphia is so good at home. And and as I said, I, I think Phil Neville really, really needed that for what he is, for that team did. First time we've ever had two uh, brothers on the field at the same time that's both scored. So that was fun to see both the, uh, the ball that... Iguain brothers uh, doing the damage there and celebrating and hugging and doing all that kind of stuff. So big, big win, uh, especially because it's not just on the road, but it's on the road against the defending Supporter Shield winners who are so good in Philadelphia. It's funny because last season, the Chata brothers in Portland combined on a goal. One assisted the other. And, and, and John Strong and I were very excited about that stat. It was the first time it had happened in years. The Roldan brothers in Seattle had done the same thing. Uh, and so now, yeah, now you have two brothers scoring in the same game, first time ever. Um, and then expansion, Austin FC. I'd be remiss if I didn't bring them up. Uh, 3-1 win over Colorado, their first ever victory. Cecilia Dominguez, their first DP with two goals. Uh, and, and I thought they acquitted themselves well against LAFC. So, so far, so good for Austin, huh? Yeah, I mean, I think they're going to be competitive. And I think this battle for the eyeballs around the league, but also within that battle within Texas is is really going to heat up and it's really going to be fun. And yeah, they, to your point, absolutely deserved, all right? This wasn't smash and grab. This wasn't parking the bus. They scored and they could have scored uh, more. Congratulations to that whole organization. Your first win in history, your first goal in history by Diego Fagundes, a, um, you know, a player who came over from a New England Revolution was one of the these teenage signings many, many years ago. He's been in the league forever, and he's still only in his mid-20s. Um, you know, as I've said before, and I've had this history with, with Austin, I was there to announce this team, and I'm just really excited about what it is going to be, not just for Austin, but for Major League Soccer. Congratulations. And, you know, we talk so much about these expansion teams and what they are and what they aren't when they come in. And I think Austin, well, I don't think that they are, you know, the LAFCs or the Atlanta Uniteds. They're also not Minnesota, obviously, I think they're going to be competitive, and that's important. So maybe in the in the vein of a Nashville, maybe even better than a better than a Nashville uh, so far. So congratulations to everybody there uh, in, in Austin. Here's to many more uh, celebratory uh, nights, and uh, you know, may you may you bathe in that fountain of queso that you love so much uh, for many many nights to come, celebrating goals and victories for uh, your oaks over there. What else, Masi? Uh, shall we transition to CCL, which it sure, makes for a sure. natural transition since there are a record five MLS teams in the CCL quarterfinals, uh, two of them uh, going head-to-head Atlanta, 
uh, in Philadelphia, Atlanta home the first leg, Philly home the second leg, and then the three others uh, are facing League MX opposition. That'll be fun. Uh, why don't we start with the all MLS matchup? Uh, what's your feel on Atlanta, Philadelphia over two legs? Well, as I well, over two legs, I, I probably I think Atlanta is still coming into their own. Um, I think they'll be good, and we still don't have a fully functioning Joseph Martinez. Although there was a glimmer and a sparkle uh, in their win this weekend of that old Atlanta there, and 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 to be fair, you know, Marisa Du was was fortunate of actually to be in the in the building. And, you know, there was 20,000, quote unquote, 20,000. Who knows? There might be more. And there's going to be more going forward. And we know that that place is rocking. And sometimes they're getting the 60s and the 70,000 people there. But there was 20,000 people in the building. And that, that energy and that spark that we have missed from Atlanta and we've missed from, from sports, it was, it was there. You could feel it. You can sense it. However, you know, I still think that, that, I still think that they're not there yet. And, you know, it all depends on Joseph Martinez, to be quite honest with you. I don't know how far along he is. Um, so I, this is, I'll still go, I'll, I'll still go with, uh, with Philadelphia. I'll go with Philadelphia, but it's, it's going to be real close. This is the, the good part is so many MLS teams qualified. The bad part is, is now we're going to knock each other out. <laughs> so. um, and then the three MLS versus uh, League MX ties. And all three, the MLS team is home in the first leg, although in Toronto's case, that still means Florida. In Florida, uh, right. They will be home to Cruz Azul, who are your Clausura leaders. Um, uh, Toronto did very well to get past Lyon. I still think I, I favor Cruz Azul in this one. Uh, Toronto, they're, they're the one MLS team that I don't have a great feeling about in this round. The other two, though, uh, Columbus take on Monterey and Portland face America. And the two Liga MX teams are struggling going into this one. Monterey have lost their last three Liga MX games. They fell to Pachuca, Chivas, and then lost the Derby to Tigres uh, this past weekend. Gignac with the winner, a fiery game, red cards on both sides. So they're they're stumbling into this one. Columbus were off this weekend in MLS, so they'll be rested. And then the Portland America one too. America uh, not playing that well. They were very fortunate to escape the last round against Olympia. They lost 1-0 at home in the Azteca in the second leg and only scraped through on away goals. And then since then, they had a tie against Cruz Azul and a loss of Toluca. So I kind of like the MLS teams in those matchups. I, I, I keep saying, I think this is going to be the year for MLS. Yep. Uh, yeah, so to your point, if Toronto... I don't think Toronto can go back to that well. I think that is that is dry. They used it all up in, that, uh, in the previous round. So if they're starting, you know, <laughs> young, inexperienced... Uh, GA players or uh, homegrown players, I, I just don't think that that's, uh, that that's going to be able to happen. So I, to your point, I agree with you there. The Columbus, I think Columbus goes through and I think Portland, because uh, I, I, I only think one of those two go through. And so I think Columbus has a better chance than Portland. So that would leave it uh, two League MX, two MLS. Two and two, baby. Yeah, yep. that, would, that would be fun. And the semis two are on the, two. Uh, in August on the other side of uh, Gold Cup and all that, so... Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, these teams can look very, very different when when all of this is 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 said and done. Uh, anyway, but well, we'll be working that this week, so we're looking forward to uh, to that. And now we've seen a whole lot more of these teams and the personnel uh, that they have. But to your point, we also saw that the teams that were in CAL uh, um, uh, Concacaf Champions Leagues they struggled with the travel and you know the uh, uh, you know fatigue. And Columbus not having a game this weekend, I think, is really, really going to help. Uh, what else, Mossy? That's it. 
That's it. All right, let's take a real quick break. When we come back, all right, we're going to do it. We're going <laughs> to, I guess, put a bow on this on this super club stuff and talk so much more that uh, that's going on over there in Europe and the rest of the world. Don't go away. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. All right, we're back. All right, Mossy, when we recorded last week, we, as you know, we record on Mondays for the most part, and we, we finished it, and when we went, when we stopped recording, we had done a pod that that talked about Super League and talked about it in its existence and the possibility that this was going to happen. 24 hours later, it had all fallen apart. And it was very, very clear to everyone involved and everybody that was not involved and everybody around the world that this Super League plan was not going to happen and certainly wasn't going to happen in the way that it was, I guess, envisioned. And we talked last week about the just the 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 horrible attempt at marketing and PR that this was and and, and the books that are going to be written, the articles that are already written, di- digesting and dissecting this for what it was and what it wasn't, and all of the um, the errors that were made along the way. And that's not even talking about just the fundamental, is it good or not? I'm just talking about whether you agree with it, it's good or not. If you just look at how it was rolled out or how horribly it was rolled out at, at times, that in and of itself is a conversation. But we find ourselves here in this ne- next week where the, the the masses and the voice of the customer uh, were listened to and that this is evidently not going to happen in in as, as i said in the way that it was <laughs> that it was not well but at least the way that it was described to us what are we to make of all of this mossy when all is said and done we see you know we see we saw the demonstrations outside of the stadiums we saw the burning of the american flag and the anti-americanism that uh, was i'll be honest with you was not surprising at all a lot of this certainly uh, was was fueled by the fact that there were american owners and the american ideas and capitalism and greed and all the stuff that when you say America, uh, all the baggage that we bring to everything. So what are we ultimately to make of this, Mossy? Well, first off, just to reiterate what you said, I think whether you're for the Super League or uh, against it, the one place where we can all meet in the middle is I think all of us were left in awe at how stunningly amateurish the rollout for this was. Uh, you think there would have been a whole PR campaign to accompany it. They would have had a press conference with representatives of all 12 clubs answering questions, rebutting criticisms, giving details, explaining why this is actually going to be good for the game. Instead, there was none of that. You got the sense that they wanted to get something out there before UEFA announced the changes to the Champions League. So they rushed this awkwardly brief poorly written statements, slapped a ridiculous logo on it. And then for the next 48 hours, all we got was this one Florentino Perez appearance on some 
talk show in Spain where he sounded senile, frankly, talking about how the game needs to be shorter for younger fans, uh, while the other 11 guys hid in the bunker, and they took this propaganda lambasting for two days and then said, okay, never mind, okay, we won't do it, sorry, 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 never mind, which... If this is a thing you've been planning for years that you you genuinely think is going to save this sport, I mean, it's amazing that it could come and go like that. Um, so yeah, um, and and my big takeaway is that uh, it was really England that put a stop to this, uh, and mm-hmm. and the real venom was coming from England. And listen, even people like my dad and I, we were talking about this, who were against the Super League, were rolling our eyes a little bit at some of the sanctimony emanating from England. But 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 hats off to them because they're the ones that put a stop to this. Everywhere else, you know, they didn't love it, but they, they were willing to, to consider it. And in fact, in Spain and Italy right now, there's a backlash to the backlash and some people thinking that the way England reacted was a little ridiculous and they need to be a bit more open-minded about this idea. And now Florentino Perez, who uh, is really emerged as the face of all this, uh, he insists, by the way, it's not over, that those 12 clubs signed agreements and they can't just back out of them. And so, uh, sure, it may need to be tweaked. And he's now saying, maybe we will have all the clubs have to qualify through their league placement, um, which I wish he had said that from the beginning because that was my main objection to it. Had he said that from the beginning, I might have had reacted kind more kindly to the idea. Um, so, yeah, I mean, where we go from here is I don't think this is over, over. I, I still think there are folks like Florentino Perez and Agnelli at Juventus who, who still think this is something where, okay, we're, we're going to have to back to the drawing board board, but let's try to come up with something here. While in England, this is being celebrated as a victory. It's over. It's definitely not happening anymore. So we'll see. But yeah, this disconnect between England and everywhere else was kind of fascinating. It was. I mean, it. it uh, I am here for all of this. It was <laughs> It was wonderful because it, it brought to the surface so many of the things that we talk about when it comes to the game and you know, the, the, the different attitudes and whether those attitudes are on the surface or whether they are underneath at all. And like I said, the, you know, the America versus uh, versus Europe, the um, the Euro snob, all of this st- uh, type of stuff was uh, was on display. To your point, Mossy, though, it it may on the surface look like it is going away. It's it's not going away. It just might show up in a very different type of form. And I think what a lot of people have used as kind of a caveat to their um, uh, to to their to their criticism of it is that um, but there are still a lot of problems out there, and we still, you know, and, and to your point about, you know, the, the rampant hypocrisy over the last week has just been, I, I, I would say it's been amazing, but it's not been amazing because it's not a surprise, okay? It's always been there, but to have it kind of laid out and to people unapologetically doing things out there uh, and saying things out there that just are so hypocritical when it comes to everything. Now, how this all, uh, all progresses from here because now I see people talking about salary caps and, and uh, fiscal responsibility out there, which has certainly not been the hallmark of any of this. Uh, and, you know, the, the inherent greed that was already there and the way that we have made uh, what once were kind of agreed upon villains into these, in, into these saints, uh, at least for the moment, because they they are closer to the truth and what we believe should be done. All of that kind of stuff just fats, uh, uh, fascinates, uh, fascinates me as to, um, as to how this is ultimately going to shape up. And it might just shape up where we ultimately have 
a new version of uh, of Champions League with some of these things that we saw in the Super League sprinkled in there. It also might come that if that fiscal responsibility really happens, we might have situations where you have restrictions put on and salary caps put on, which, by the way, to a lot of people, when you say salary cap, it means that you're restricting and limiting uh, the amount of money that players can make. So players that were all up in arms and screaming and yelling and uh, on the on the side of right may either by design or inadvertently made uh, what they could earn less. And how this all plays out, I don't you know, I, I don't know. But it is a incredible study. As I've said, it's going to be studied for years to come as to what went wrong. Um, and what didn't go wrong? Now, I, I know, and I'll, we'll, we'll, we'll finish it up here. I, I talk a lot, oftentimes, about business. And I use the terms customer and consumer and product and business and all that, uh, all that kind of stuff. But the, the customer is the person that likes the game or loves the game and buys the product. And we can call them fans. We can call them supporters. We can call them anything that you want. And the market decided that this was not what they were going to do. And the businesses looked at the reaction of the market and of their customer and acted accordingly. And I'm not talking about you know whether it's legal or whether it's going to be signed going forward. As, as we said before, the lawyers are the, going to be the ones that ultimately win out of all of this. But this acted and this progressed in a way that any business out there would. If a business wanted to do something and the public outcry was such that that business said, this is not going to be good for our business, uh, either because we're not going to be able to handle it in the short term or it's going to have long-term ramifications uh, that we don't want to handle that short term to get to uh, long-term ramifications, then you adjust. And every business does it and every business will if it was floated out there, they might float it out there, then they will apologize and they will go on and they will still be incredibly big businesses. But it doesn't mean that they are going to stop for a second trying to find ways to maximize that business and to grow that business and ultimately to make more money for that business. So we'll see uh, what, what happens uh, with this. So we'll put a, a, a loose bow on the Super League, but it's not going anywhere, this concept and how it ultimately plays out uh, only only time will tell and it was fun to see and maybe years from now when we look back on all of the different reactions and the writings it will be fun and and uh, and funny and interesting to see how we all uh, how we all reacted uh mossy what do you want to go to now well, I do want to make a point, and this will segue perfectly into talking about the Champions League semifinals coming up, but uh, you mentioned the changes to the Champions League. There are a lot of people saying, I wonder if we can undo those changes now, because the revamped format that UEFA announced uh, uh, last week, that was to cater to the super clubs who basically said, you have to give us this, or we're going to go break off and form a super league. And then they went off and tried to do it anyway. But so that was stuff UEFA didn't really want to do in terms of adding, adding more teams and more games and switching to more of a league format rather than a group stage. Uh, and it, and nobody seems all that happy with it. So now there are folks saying, well, now that this super league threat no longer exists, can we just go back to the way we were doing it? But to your point, I think UEFA is still nervous about the, the super league possibility. So they don't want to, 
<laughs> poke the bear here. And, you know, that, so I think they will acquiesce to these changes and hope that that uh, keeps these super clubs at yeah, bay here. Yeah, for the I mean, next you still got to have you still have to have them uh, when it comes to. And, 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 and by the way, you know, this 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 got everybody talking about shops, right? Closed shop, open shop, all of this kind of stuff when it comes to uh, it, what exists here in the United States and North America, what exists over in Europe and all, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and this, what was really interesting to, to, for me to see was how adamant people were that their form, whatever shop that was, what, uh, and oftentimes it was the, you know, the open shop, an open shop with a traditional type of pyramid, that that is, that is what produces quality on the field. That is what produces competition. That is what produces fandom. That is what produces emotion and passion. And yeah, I push back on that, okay? I, and I'm going to say this again. I know you've heard me say it. I got no problem with promotion relegation, okay? I have lived it. Uh, I've seen the power that it has. I don't think it should be mandated on anyone, and it doesn't preclude me or anybody else from experiencing the joy and the personal nature of being a fan and being a supporter of a team or of uh, whatever league it is that you have, whether it's open or closed. And it is, you are no more passionate. You are no more involved. You have no more or less ownership in the game simply because you are in a closed or open type of uh, type of shot. It is just a it is just a different way of doing it. But there are there were many people that disagree with me and probably what I'm saying right now there are people out there uh, that dis- that disagree. So that was fun to to see how people used what happened over the last week to justify their their beliefs about what soccer is or what soccer isn't or what it should be or what it shouldn't be or what you are as a soccer fan uh, relative to whatever team or league or concept or system that you that you may uh, extol the virtues of or not. Uh, okay, Masi, what else? Well, so let's transition to the Champions League semifinals, which get underway this week. Uh, Tuesday, Real Madrid will host Chelsea. And then Wednesday, PSG will host Manchester City. We'll start with uh, Real Madrid-Chelsea. And a big talking point surrounding this tie has been the inevitable compare and contrast between Christian Pulisic and Eden Hazard. Chelsea sold Hazard uh, to Real Madrid and essentially bought Pulisic as a replacement. Uh, Both have been riddled with injuries at their respective clubs, but I would say Pulisic has actually done a lot more for Chelsea than Hazard has done for Real Madrid. Hazard did come back this past weekend, uh, came off the bench against Betis, looked pretty good. Uh, They're saying he's not quite fit enough to start yet, but he will be available for these two matches against Chelsea. Vinicius will probably start on the left and then Hazard will come in for him at some point. Um, I've, I've said to me, this is a 50, 50, uh, you know, you lean Real Madrid, um, Sergio Ramos out, uh, still, uh, but Real Madrid did get some of those other players back that were, were absent against Liverpool. Varane is expected to start this match on Tuesday. So, uh, what's your feeling here? Well, well, first things first, I think you have to take your hat off, uh, and, and many have, and, and that's completely fair, uh, and right to do so to Tuchel and what he has done now. It's not as if he took this little rinky-dink type of team and got them to perform, but he fundamentally changed 
the attitude and therefore the results of this Chelsea team. And he deserves incredible uh, credit. I think that uh, Real Madrid's a better team. I think that this is not the finished product when it comes to what Tuchel wants for this Chelsea team. But, but that's pretty incredible. I mean, considering where they were. I mean, if you remember the time of, of Frank Lampard and... He, he, he has come in and tweaked enough to get them to the semifinal of the Champions League, which is, which is awesome for this Chelsea team. Like I said, I still don't think that they're going to beat uh, Real Madrid. To your comparison between Hazard and Pulisic, I do agree that Chelsea has gotten more out of Pulisic than Real Madrid has gotten out of Hazard. In, in a certain sense, they both were sold lemons, but the car has been in the shop for most of the time with much bigger problems when it comes to Hazard than, uh, than Pulisic, which is, you know, some leaking oil here or there. So you got to take it in. It's got to be, it's got to be changed, but nothing knock on wood has been, has been serious. Yes, you would like it there on a daily basis, but both of them have needed service. But like I said, Hazard's been in the grass a lot longer with much more serious issues than I think Christian Pulisic. It is funny, just a, a larger point about this quartet, because Chelsea have been at this a bit longer, they don't get the same sort of nouveau riche tag that PSG and Manchester City do. It's almost like Chelsea have been pushed into the blue blood category. Um, although, don't tell that to the Madrid media, because they have been framing this semifinal as Madrid, the good guys, the ones that still do it the right way, competing against these three monoliths. And they've been lumping Chelsea in with PSG and Manchester City as, you know, one is run by a uh, Russian oligarch, the other two by Arab sheiks and, and just essentially nation, uh, club states they like to call PSG and Manchester City. And here we are, the little engine that could Real Madrid that's still doing it through just <laughs> revenues and whatever we can generate in terms of sponsorships and stuff. That That's how they're framing it. So... Uh, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. <laughs> I mean, look, they're they're all ridiculously rich clubs <laughs> that have spent their way to the top uh, and continue to spend in order to maintain that. Which I guess, if you if you really look at it, is part of the quote unquote problem out there. But it's what we want. It's what we want from these teams. You know, we don't want fiscal responsibility from any of these uh, these teams. We want them spending ridiculous amounts of money to make these teams into super clubs. And that's what every fan ultimately wants. They'll scream and yell about, you know, ideology and corporate greed and, and all this kind of stuff. But they'll be the first ones to scream and yell also about why don't you spend more money and make my team better so that we can win and we can uh, we can hedge our bets and be uh, and be great and be be global powers like uh, like the elites out there. It is funny, though, transitioning to the other semifinal PSG Manchester City. Obviously, both these clubs have spent an incredible amount of money in the last decade or so since the uh, current owners took over. But they've done it a little bit differently. City spread it around more. Uh, Pep never misses a chance to point out that if you look at the biggest transfers in football history, there's no City signing up there. The, the most they've ever spent on a player is 80-something million euros. I think De Bruyne is still their biggest signing, although Ruben Diaz was close. Um, but if you go through that squad, virtually every player costs a decent chunk of change. You know, when they need a backup left back, they go and spend 40 million euros on him. And so it adds up to a crazy number. Well, PSG, it's more of a top heavy approach. They spent a combined 400 million euros on Neymar and Mbappe, the two biggest transfers in football history. And so they had to kind of make that up 
elsewhere. And, and people who don't follow PSG on a regular basis who parachute in for these Champions League games are often taken aback by how many nondescript players are in that squad because uh, they do have a lot of guys they acquired via loans or free transfers just to kind of round out the squad because they spent so much money on those two guys. And so we'll see. I mean, I, I guess we'll find out which approach wins out here. City have, I think, no doubt the better overall squad, but PSG have these two players and Neymar and Mbappe who can just win a game on their own. And so we'll see if the, the big stars, not that De Bruyne isn't a big star. I mean, he's right up there too, one of the best players in the world, but you know what I mean? I mean, uh, it's just yeah. a different approach to squad building and it'd be interesting to see which one wins out. Well, long live meritocracy, Mossy. Okay. <laughs> All right. So PSG Man City, what do you uh, see? I, uh, it's, it's in Paris first? Paris first. Uh, and I lean Man City and uh, I'm sorry, I lean PSG in this tie. I think uh, they match up well with Manchester City. So uh, I think PSG are going to go through. I do. Uh, yeah, I think I do, too. I don't know. What did I say last week? I can't remember what I said I last week. Last week you were leaning Manchester City. Uh, Was I? Yeah. I'll, I'll stick with it. I'll stick with it. I mean, I understand where you're coming from, but I'll, but, I'll, but I'll stick with it. Well, all Manchester City have done since then is collect another trophy. They won I know, right? up this past weekend. Uh, 1-0 win over Tottenham. Laporte with the late winner. Uh, Zach Steffen in goal, which was interesting because, you know, Pep – uh, took some criticism for starting Stefan in the FA Cup semifinal against Chelsea. And he, Stefan did make a mistake and was at fault mm -hmm. in the Chelsea goal. Uh, but Pep went, went back down that well again. He, you know, that logic that the guy that started the earlier rounds has earned the right to start the, the climactic games in a competition. And so he put Stefan back in there again. Didn't have much to do. I mean, City pretty much dominated that game from start to finish. But nevertheless, nice to see him collect a trophy. Him and Pep had a nice hug at the final whistle. And so uh, that was nice to see, huh? Zach Stefan. I mean, look, our arguably our number one, Zach Steffen, and there's very few that would argue it at this point, is winning trophies and is the number two, but certainly is getting opportunities on the actual field for one of the great teams in the world. That's that that is a good thing. Now, is he approximating what he is going to be facing for the, the US team? No. Okay, um, and that's not that's not his fault. But you know, when he went to Man City, we we knew that this was going to happen, in that he wasn't going to be the number one. And is it is it concerning? Yeah, I mean, I want I I want him playing consistently and playing game in and game out. But look, he's he's still a great goalkeeper, and I'm happy for him that he has this this moment too, because as you said. Pep could have gone a different way, and at times managers in the past have done uh, done different things. But, and you know, to be fair, Pep knew that um, that he was capable, and he showed faith in him, and that was rewarded. So that's a that's good for a relationship with your with your head coach. Doesn't mean he's going to be the number one going forward, but that's good for your relationship and. You know, it's good to be in that shop window holding up, uh, holding up a trophy. So, congratulations to uh, to Zach Steffen. Here's to many, many more, and we'll see ultimately where where this leads. And if it means that he's coming back with even more, uh, more of a sense of accomplishment and um, and confidence because of that to the U.S. team, which we know it's, it's going into such a huge part of uh, the year with the summer, and then more importantly this fall with qualification. 
that's uh, that's good. So knock on wood, he stays healthy, and congratulations to him. And it's funny because Pep, who's concerned about the amount of games that uh, players are asked to play over the course of a season, has suggested in the past that he doesn't think the League Cup should exist, that they should get rid of it, and yet City have won it the last four seasons. So, I mean, they clean up wow. on that competition, which I think speaks to their squad depth. Those earlier rounds where the big teams don't really care about it that much, um, cities not caring about a competition lineup is way stronger than anybody else's. So they still get through <laughs> right. those earlier rounds. And then when you get to the end, hey, there's a trophy in sight. We might as well go for it. And they end up winning it. Um, so City win the League Cup again. Uh, on the uh, domestic league front, um, three of the leagues uh, are done and dusted. Uh, they, nobody's clinched yet, but Bayern Munich, uh, Manchester City, and Inter are going to win their respective leagues. But we have two fantastic title races going. Uh, let's talk about Spain, where uh, this past weekend, Atletico Madrid lost away to Athletic Bilbao. Uh, Real Madrid were held to a nil-nil draw by Betis. And Barcelona won 2-1 away to Villarreal, two goals by Griezmann. Uh, so that leaves it at Atletico 73 points, Real and Barcelona each at 71. Sevilla, by the way, are at 70. So in Spain, they're framing this as a four-team race. But the key thing here is Barcelona have played one fewer game than everybody else. They're going to make that up Thursday against Granada. They should win that game. That would leapfrog them above Atletico with five rounds to play. And to me, this is trending towards Barcelona winning this. As we've talked about, Atletico have been falling apart for a while, and Real Madrid now seem to be more focused on the Champions League. And so I think Barcelona are going to to win this Messi's going to get a league and cup double out of this season wow after all is said and done <laughs> all right jeez that's amazing I mean remember all the hemming and hawing and screaming and yelling oh gosh I mean this but this is good though this is this is a good thing and that it's not just Real Madrid and and, and Barcelona and you know even the Seville so the, the Sevilla uh situation that's that's a good thing that's a that's a good thing for for La Liga right now, especially when we were we've talked so much about super clubs and the disparity of talent and the haves and the have nots out there to even have anybody even remotely as a possibility with a chance out there. Then, All right, yeah. well, by, oh, by the time you're listening to this, what's <laughs> that? Atlético Madrid were in the Super League too. Uh, no, I know, but but, but Sevilla, no, of course. Uh, but by the time you're listening to this, Barcelona could have made up that game. And you're saying they would be at 74 points, then Real Madrid would be at 70, uh, and then Atletico Madrid would be at 73, Real Madrid would be at 71, and Sevilla right. would be at 70. So there's still plenty to play for. Uh, the other great title race, amazingly enough, is in France, where PSG thought this was the weekend they were going to overtake Lille. They beat Mets on Saturday. They went to bed on Saturday night two points up, and Lille had a tough game on Sunday away to Lyon. Lille went down 2-0 in the first half of that game, and then lo and behold, they came roaring back, scored three unanswered, won 3-2. Uh, they leapfrogged back above PSG, so they are now one point ahead of PSG with four rounds to play, and and Monaco are right there, too, in third place. It's Lille 73, PSG 72, and Monaco 71. Nico Kovac doing a great job this season with just four rounds to play. But Lille's schedule is not that hard. So this is now out of PSG's hands. I think they're going to win the rest of their games, but Lille might win all of theirs, too. And so to me, it's like 50-50 at best for PSG here. I think Lille might end up winning this thing, which would be amazing. You think they're going to win all four of their games? They could, yeah, well. yeah. I know they could. <laughs> uh, and then uh, two more things I just want to sneak in here. We, we didn't mention the Europa League finals before, uh, semifinals, but those are very good too. Uh, Arsenal face Villarreal, which is interesting because it's Unai Emery in charge of Villarreal, uh, who was unceremoniously sacked by Arsenal, replaced by Mikel Arteta. 
Uh, that first leg is in Spain this week. And then Manchester United against Roma is the other semifinal. Very good, too. First leg at Old Trafford. And then last, last thing is, it sounds like Julian Nagelsmann will be the next coach of Bayern Munich. They've already agreed terms with him. The last stumbling block was agreeing some sort of compensation with Leipzig. And the latest I read today, Raphael Honestein said the clubs are very close to an agreement. You've got Keith Costigan tweeting about how horrible this is for the Bundesliga. The Bayern can just go and take the manager from the second place team. So that's triggering that discussion too. But it looks like Nagelsmann will be the next Bayern boss replacing Hansi Flick. Well, I mean, what we're from an American perspective, you know, we're, we're looking at Jesse Marsh and where he ends up too. So that'll that'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. All right, anything else, Moss? That is it. All right, we're going to take another quick break. When we come back, yeah, it's Ask Alexi time. Don't go anywhere. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services, marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now, you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you. It's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. All right, we're back and it's time for uh, Ask Alexi. Uh, I know we had done a audio version uh, as a test and we are still working on that, but I think it's going to actually happen at some point so that you can not only type in your uh, Ask Alexi questions out there, but you can also leave us a message. Uh, so we'll, 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 we'll still work on getting that done. Nothing this week in terms of the audio, but um, still, still some people have some comments, questions, and concerns out there when it comes to Ask Alexi. What do the people want to know? Uh, first up, um, CECGMEL, uh, he asked both you and Taylor Twelman this. After all huh. the American bashing in the last 48 hours, you think the EPL teams will do preseason in USA again once the travel bans and pandemic is over? I think so to spread their global brands, but that isn't about money, right? Exclamation point. <laughs> uh, yes, it is absolutely about money. It is about spreading their uh, their uh, their global brands to everybody. I mean, if there's you know if there's one thing that we have seen and learned is that the the local voice is very, very important, okay? But the future of all of these teams, as has been the case for many years, is that global reach and the emerging soccer market that is and continues and will continue to be the United States, it, there, there is gold in them there, American soccer hills, and people are going to come from all sides 
to try to plant their flag and to get some of that, uh, uh, those eyeballs. And, you know, we talk about hearts and minds all the time to spread that uh, brand over there. And uh, look, look, not whatever happened this past week, that's all fine and well, but teams, coaches, uh, players, they enjoy the, uh, the games that they play over here, the experience that they have in preseason. Um, they can make, from a, a business perspective, they can make money. As we said, they can spread the brand. They can get good training facilities. They can get quality opposition, whether it is in the form of an MLS uh, team or an all-star game or playing against themselves in some of these big tournaments that we have seen have done great business. So yeah, I don't think that that is what's happened this last week is in any way, shape, or form going to deter anybody from continuing to come over. And that includes, you know, the burning of American flags and the blaming of America on all of this uh, that has been done that, to be quite honest, is sickening. But uh, I don't think that that changes the appetite to have these summer tours and to have summer camps and to continue to plant their fa- their flag when it comes to the summer for all of these, uh, whether it's the Dirty Dozen or anybody else out there, to be quite honest with you. Yeah, that's flag burning. I thought it was like Tehran in 1979. I mean, <laughs> that was... It's, I mean, we know it, it's, it's such a... Uh, there's such a visceral reaction to that because of the history and the politics and that image and what it has come to uh, come to represent. I mean, I... I remember playing in Italy and they burned flags, uh, American flags, just because I was an American player running around on the field. I remember looking up in the stands. I remember being down in Mexico and seeing it. So it's this tried and true and tested type of, uh, of protest and action that whoever's doing it knows immediately what, what the reaction is going to be, how people are going to view it. And it's done by design because of what it... Uh, you know, because of, of of how how passionately people react to something like that, and I I can't help myself. It sickens me every single time, and in particular in this instance, um, with 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 the way that it is being used, and the way that America and Americans uh, and our you know our notions are being framed. Um, anyway, especially for as we just said. Brands that are trying to capture uh, our hearts and minds, and let's be honest, wallets when it comes uh, to their uh, to their brand. So we'll see. We'll see if if the burning of the flags or the demonstrations relative to the U.S. change anything. But I don't think it's going to change anything when it comes to the summer tours. Uh, next up, Upper Ninety asks, "Can you explain to me why NYCFC is exempt from Don Garber's decree that each MLS club have a proper stadium slash pitch? The Big Apple pitch is rotten, and we all know it. Why do the powers that be at MLS turn a blind eye?" Okay, they're not turning a blind eye. Don't think for a second that Don Garber and everybody in MLS isn't in constant contact and wanting to know what is going on. Um, Why? And a simple answer is business. Okay, so back in, I can't remember when it was, 2013, whatever, um, when this possibility of having a second New York team came about, uh, there there were different people. And in bringing in Citigroup, you had a worldwide, global, recognized soccer brand with incredibly deep pockets that was willing to pay at that point a $100 million expansion fee. And when that happens, immediately the uh, the bar is set now at 100 and more. Okay, so if you are another owner, that's 
increasing your asset value and your valuation of your team. And obviously with the plan to have more expansion teams, you want people pushing it to a higher and higher level. So that did that. Did that. That did that at the moment, which was important, which is important to the owners and which is important to the, the business. Then don't think for a second that a stadium plan hasn't been part of it. I mean, it's not about money. This, this, this organization, these owners have plenty of money. It's about finding the proper location. And maybe they bit off more than they can chew, or maybe they thought that they, uh, that they could have done it easier. But look, this is, this is New York. This is the New York metropolitan area. And location, location, location. I get it. But at some point, you're going to have to decide whether you're just going to continue to wait for that perfect opportunity and perfect location is that moment going to come or do you have to start to look elsewhere and do some different things? And look, I, I, I know it'll be, I would love nothing more than to have a soccer specific stadium for NYCFC built down in, you know, Chelsea pier or wherever, right down in, uh, in Manhattan. We know that that isn't going to happen uh, either because it's just, it's just not cost effective or there's not enough. Uh, you just can't get it done with the politics that exists over there or the location isn't there. But there are opportunities out there, and like I said, they are, they are working on it. So it's not as if Don Garber or anybody else doesn't want this to happen. If they could click their fingers and happen, have it happen right now or have it happen a year after uh, NYCFC came into the league, they would have done that. It doesn't mean that it wasn't the right thing to do, uh, to do at the time. Having said all of that, like it's getting old, and it is getting frustrating. I mean, I'll be honest with you, when... As excited as I was for the return of Major League Soccer, when the first NYCFC home game happened this weekend, and I saw that that aesthetic of Yankee Stadium, my heart sank. And it didn't matter that NYCFC was awesome, and they kicked the crap out of Cincinnati and scored five goals. It was done in an environment and in um, in circumstances that that hurt the product, that hurt your team, and that ultimately hurt your credibility and your league. And until that changes, you're getting diminishing returns. The excitement and the novelty of playing in Yankee Stadium, that has worn off. It worn it wore off very, very quickly. And, you know, like I said, it's easy from the outside to tell people what to do and spend their money. But at some point, this has got to change because this is this is not good. This is not good for... The New York soccer scene, this is not good for NYCFC, and this is not good for uh, for Major League Soccer. And we'll end with a fun one. Uh, Sammy Dumix, I think is how you pronounce that. Um, okay. Dear Alexi, what gives you more fun, singing or soccer or both? Oh, um, so for, for maybe some of the listeners and, and viewers don't know, I've been doing music my, my entire life. I continue to write and to record and to release music for, as I've said, all three, including my mom that actually listened to it uh, and perform. Um, it, I've always considered myself, and for anybody that's, that's listened for any length of time, you know that I consider myself an entertainer and a performer. And I get a lot of that from my involvement in music, okay? You you train on the field, which is basically rehearsal. You step on the field, which is basically a stage. You put on a uniform, which is basically a costume. A costume. You perform in front of supporters, which is an audience. And 
you have that type of interaction and that uh, that reaction. And I think I have more. I'm I'm fulfilled more from a creative perspective when it comes to the the music that I do. There is nothing like the reaction and the feeling of playing the game at a high level in front of you know thousands and thousands of people. And that's part of the reason why players often struggle when it's over is they have nothing in their life that even comes close to replicating it. And it's not a dirty little secret. Here's here's the truth. There is nothing that replicates it. That's the whole point, okay? And so you have to find other things in your life that that excites you and but do it in a different way. Maybe even more so, but that's not always that's easier said than done. You know, I'm I'm lucky that I have this outlet. It as I said, it fulfills me in a way that sports and soccer never did. I have more control than I do when it comes to sports and and to and to soccer. So if I had to pick one, it would probably be, you know, music, whether it's singing or, you know, writing songs or performing or releasing stuff or recording any of that uh, that kind of type of stuff. So yeah, I would I would probably f- I would probably fall on the music side of that type of question. But it didn't doesn't mean that I didn't get incredible satisfaction and and pride out of you know playing the game and having that reaction and the, the wins and the the impact and all of those things. But it's also very, very temporary. You know, I had music in my life before I started kicking a ball, and I have music in my life after I've kicked the ball. So the timelines of these two different things relative to your life are very, very different. Both impactful and, and both incredibly intense at times. It's just, you know, I, I can't kick the ball in front of thousands of people anymore, <laughs> or at least not well, but I can still do, uh, do music, and I will to, to my dying day. What else, Mossy? Anything else? That is it. All right, uh, we're going to take a real quick break, and when we come back, uh, I will have my one for the road. Don't go anywhere. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, save $30 on the American-made Steel FS56 RCE Trimmer. Real Steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. All right, we're back, uh, and it's the end of the show, which means it's time for my one for the road. Um, So I got a question. It's a very simple, well, it's not even a question. It's more of a statement. Um, or a uh, a reaction to what somebody perceives is my attitude right now. Uh, let's see. At Trigger Town over here on Twitter, said you've been a you've been in a bad mood recently, and I I don't think I don't think that I have. But you know, the the events of the last week <laughs> have have riled me up. More so than, than, than usual. I know I get riled up and I know I scream and yell about different things or I, I tweet away and I, I poke people and, um, and, and I say different things. But I don't think that I'm in a bad mood. I'm actually, 
I'm actually much more positive about the world in which we inhabit than I have been in a long time, to be quite honest with you. And it's not without problems and challenges and sadness and difficulties out there, but I do believe that we are heading in the right direction when it comes to everything from our world of sports to our greater world and culture and society. And, you know, whether it's, you know, the better direction that uh, not everybody, but certainly in, in my neck of the woods here is heading when it comes to uh, the pandemic and some of the loosening and hopefully the return uh, to normalcy or at least a new normal that is better than what we have lived over the last uh, year and a half. Or whether it's, you know, the, the sport and the, the men and women and the, whether they're old or young that I see uh, that are thinking about this game and thinking about growing this game and thinking about doing things. I, I don't want to be a grumpy old man. I don't, <laughs> I don't set out to, to be a grumpy old man. At times, you know, sometimes when, when you read different things, you attach a personality or an attitude to it that isn't necessarily right um but that's there's nothing i can there's nothing i can do about that so to your point and a lot of this and i think you were referencing you know some of my reaction to the hypocrisy that i was that i was seeing out there and look we're all hypocritical at different times about uh, about different things and i don't have all the answers i've made plenty of mistakes and will continue to make plenty of mistakes but it did get me riled up. And I know I am incredibly protective of the American game and Americans within that game. Even within that, even though I know we dis- disagree at, at, at different times about different, uh, different things. Um, and maybe, maybe at times that comes across as being angry or being in a bad mood. I get it. Listen, relative to, you know, a lot of other people out there, you know, these are, these are absolutely first world problems that we scream and yell about. And I recognize that there are so many people out there that have it so much more difficult and, have, and face so many more challenges uh, than I do and would love to, you know, be in my seat screaming and yelling about a super league or something like that. But Instead, they have to deal with things that are of such more uh, importance and consequence. And so uh, if, if it seems that I am in a bad mood, please know that I'm not. As a matter of fact, as I said, I remain incredibly positive, positive and confident about the direction in which we are going. Um, I hope everybody out there shares some of that optimism. I hope everybody out there is in these difficult times continuing to stay safe and sane and moving forward. Um, I try to be positive about the things that I, that I talk about. I know I can be cynical. I know I can probably be an asshole at times, okay? Um, but in general, I do believe uh, that I am, inc- well, I know that I am incredibly fortunate and I am incredibly positive about the world in which I inhabit because of the people that I see, the people around me, whether it's you know, the people that I work with here, or the people that I come in contact with, or the people that I just see. And I'm amazed at uh, all of the wonderful things that are out there, whether it's soccer or 
anything else in life or anything anything in between. So um, I will try to I will try to do things going forward that to trigger Town's point here. Don't give off the impression that I am in a bad mood. Doesn't mean I'm not going to scream and yell. It doesn't mean at times I'm not going to be angered by things. But just know, in the in the general scheme of things, I'm not in a bad mood. I'm in a good mood. And I'm going to stay in, in, in a good mood for as long as I possibly can. It doesn't mean you can't get down at different times. We all get down at different times. But um, I still remain in a good mood. Mossy, you're, in a, you're always I in am, a good yeah. mood. Yeah, I mean, look, you and I have our problems, but it could be worse. We could be stuck living with our parents like our producer Jeff Hernandez, who... Fight it to us. He's just miserable right now. Can't wait to get out of there. It's, uh, but, uh, Oh man, I love you guys. I love you guys. Uh, thank you guys for, uh, for helping us. Um, whether it's great Louise or uh, great Jeff, they do a wonderful job behind the scenes putting this together for us each and every week. And Mossy, uh, you continue to just, to just amaze me. And I still get notes. Once again, I don't forward them to you, but I'll, I'll, I'll let you in that I still get notes from people, whether it's on social media or whether it's personal notes back and forth, just telling me how much they appreciate and love everything that you do. We know that you're really the brains of this operation, uh, we, whether it's the State of the Union podcast or anything that you see on uh, on Fox. Without Mossy, we would, you would see the morons that many of us actually are. So thank you, uh, Mossy, for continuing to uh, make us into things that we know deep down we really aren't. All right. Uh, all sorts of stuff uh, happening this week. As we mentioned, CONCACAF Champions League, uh, MLS, uh, UEFA Champions League. So much soccer out there to talk about. And who knows what <laughs> when we show up next Monday. Who knows? Maybe in the Super League will be back. Who knows? Anything, anything can happen. Mossy, anything before we go? That's it. All right. Thank you so much for uh, listening and watching and subscribing and downloading and rating and reviewing and doing all the different things that uh, you do out there on all the different platforms that we have out there. We will talk again next week on the State of the Union podcast. And until then, and as always, size the day.